Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. And also, if you're a Patreon supporter, we give away a box of books every week to one of our Patreon supporters, and we have more bonus episodes and bits and pieces so there's going to be uh if you enjoy the podcast and you've never seen uh one of robin's kind of celebratory shows before i would really really recommend it this christmas or around this christmas uh there's going to be a new nine lessons and carols which is a kind of non-religious but non-exclusive celebration of life and the world and finding things out and participating. Hello, welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles. My name is Josie. <laughs> what do you think about that for an introduction? Um, today... I like it because I think it's, it's, it's not quite creepy, but it's a little bit near to the child in the film. I'll try and make it more creepy. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Whenever my boyfriend rings me, I go, hey, Luke, hey, Luke. Right, which started out as a bit of fun, but now it's like a trap I'm locked into. You have to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll think, oh, right, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you're in a bad mood. What's wrong? Yeah. Hey, Luke, hey, Luke. <laughs> um, my favourite form of comedy hello is probably uh, the Rick Mail hello, uh, which I th- uh, from Bottom, where he's trying to do a video for a dating agency. Oh! <laughs> You're wearing a very pretty blouse. And it's still what a genius that man. Oh, oh yeah. no, it makes me sad. Our guest today is Will Smith, um, the uh, comedian, writer, actor, and broadcaster, and author, novelist, and author. author no, novelist, I'm sorry. Though. I think we should call him the an author. Male novelist. author. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Of the men's interest novel. <laughs> so, how hard is it to be a male author? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> do you find it hard writing men? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I would imagine that that would be a problem for both you and me. Yeah. If we actually have to write characters who are male overtly characters. male. Yeah. The alpha man strongly picked up his pint of beer. Yeah. <laughs> And chewed on his cigar. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a fight, he said. Yeah. Is that Nick Hornby some... over there, he said. Or something. <laughs> then he kicked a football in another man's face. <laughs> the, um, you have written, uh, I mean, we know each other from a long time back. You, you don't do stand-up comedy anymore. You were a brilliant stand-up comic. Uh, and you... I really remember, you, did you do a routine a while back where you showed footage of people with their iPods in and yes. then you played the music that you thought, thought they, they were listening, listening to? to. Yes. Honestly, I remember that oh, so well. You. It was so funny. So it was kind of, you know, you, like <laughs> yeah. a businessman and then you were playing. And I think I had, it ended with somebody sitting on a bench alone and I put like Hitler's speech on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so you did How To Be Cool. Yes. Uh, and, and, and Will Self no goaded you. Uh, oh, the joy of no sex, yeah. of course. Yes. What was that about? Was that about being celibate? Yes. Yes. It was a comedy book. It was the joy of no sex. It was done like that, and um, um, my friend Roger did the illustrations and, oh, and co-wrote fine. it in the, in, the, in the style of that. So it was all about not having sex. Um, with various different, yeah, as you said, images very similar to the Alex so, Comfort books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, of, the, the, of the beard other things man, yeah. to do to kind of you know uh, sublimate your desires. <laughs> 
in some for some people it was a very serious and important book in their yeah. lives as well. Yeah, and you could you could get it on Amazon for one uh, p. <laughs> Many copies. There's no shame in that. Now, Will, your first novel, though, yes. is you are one of, I suppose, the major cultural expert exports from the Channel Islands. You, I grew up uh, there, yes. Which yeah. one? Jersey. Uh, you probably okay. know best for it, uh, as well as the, if anyone has listened to our film shambles, will know that uh, Will was in charge of the Bernard Breslau Fighting Fantasy Film Club, but was not in charge of the Jersey Cat Club, which you were a member of. Uh, yeah, I was, I was not just a member. I won uh, won many trophies and rosettes, oh, uh, exhibiting don't. my non-pedigree cat. Yes. When you I was were young? A cool, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah I, was, I was an outlier of, uh, of coolness back <laughs> So do you have a lot of photos of you alongside a prized cat, cat yeah, holding? Yeah, she was a, just a just a mog that we got from the rescue centre. For some reason, I wanted to put her in the shows, and she she won best Don Pillory in, in in the show. That's very nice. It was. I mean, I think our vet was one of the judges, so there may have been some sympathy votes there, and there probably weren't many non pedigree cats exhibited. <laughs> the Jersey cat. It was, show. It was yeah. that culture, was which proud. in your first stand-up show you dealt with. That, that it was that, I and then you did about the Jersey cat club, six yeah. degrees of, of that Bergerac. Was, Yes, that which, was the yeah, that was which, much obliged. I, I ended that show with doing six degrees of the Bergerac, yeah. Which was, you can, you know, link uh, anyone. And then one comedian actually deliberately shouted out someone who he believed was quite impossible to link to. Who? Uh, I won't say which comedian it was. No, because oh. I wouldn't do that, because to me, oh, okay. the fun of it. But say I think they, they shouted out Charlie Chaplin. Um, I don't oh, no, know, that I, can be done. Uh, when he was, it, it, the thing was, he had to name a film, and I could link it to a specific episode of Bergerac, six minutes or less. I'm going to be rusty now, but I think Chaplin was through Limelight. Has got, at one point, you've got some James reason Mason th- in it? Uh, no, Limelight. He's got somebody, uh, well, got you, Claire Bloom. But you've got Claire Bloom, so that can bring you to uh, Clash of the Titans, oh, which fine. then opens up a hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love yeah. you. Like, yeah, I'm home. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. home. Yeah, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, once you've got Claire Bloom, you've got Clash of the Titans, you're fine. Now I'm struggling. but Yeah, it can be done. Yeah, you could probably link it to Neil McCallum, who, of course, played, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, very, very tall uh, actor who suffered from a croma jelly, is it, that Rondo Hatton had? Anyway, so okay. you've so, read... Uh, mm. You, you've uh, you, you've written a novel, yes, Mainlander, set on Jersey, which is set on Jersey. Now, before that, when you were growing up, mm. what were those kind of things that make you not necessarily proud, but give you a sense of place? Because I think for me, the Channel Islands was obviously later on it is Bergerac. Before that, there was the series with Simon Cadell as an evil Nazi about <laughs> the German occupation of, of the yes. Channel oh, Islands. Of course, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it's what? a very bizarre the, thing. The that... TV program or the war? The, the, <laughs> the war. The aspect of the war. Yeah, of yeah, the, yes, yeah. Yes, that's astonishing. Sorry, I don't have but, anything more to say. Yeah. I'm still thinking. No, yeah, it was the only British territory occupied. Well, it was largely largely symbolic just for that, just to have a piece of wow. piece of Britain because it wasn't of any strategic importance. But in terms of so novels, stories, books, what were the things that? You know, Jersey, because, yeah, thing and Guernsey, and let's include well, Guernsey, Sark, and Alderney. What you mean, cultural things from the Channel Islands? Yeah, that, that you well, kind of g- gave you a sense. Of, did you have anything that gave you a sense of? Place? No, because there are. I mean, there aren't many. There, for some reason, there are more Guernsey-based novels than Jersey-based novels, and I didn't read really read them till later. So, like recently, I read Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo, which is fantastic. One of his lesser-known. Uh, books, but uh, it's uh, set in, on Guernsey and features a sea monster, so it's, it's quite wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, not many books are on Guernsey, not many books of a sea monster, so it's a good, good combination of the two. Um, so there were there was not a lot of kind of local culture in that way, other than Bergerac, mm. of course. That must have changed 
I mean, and also if you're a Doctor Who fan, suddenly Louise Jameson is brought into. Yeah, you know, well, I wasn't. I, on paper, I should be a Doctor Who fan, but I, I think it scared me too much early on, and then I never, never came back to it. So it wasn't. Go and watch it now. Like, it's scarier. No, I, I'm going to stop it's watching it. <laughs> The um, so so give us a little bit of the background of Mainlander, which is it's it, it's a crime novel, but it also there's a likeness to it as well. Uh, no, well, no, it's not. It's not overtly. It's not comic at all. Actually, I mean, it came about because I because I obviously I'd, I'd written those two kind of stocking filler comedy books um, that nobody bought, uh, and I was trying to then write a, a, a kind of comic novel, and I did a couple of drafts and I couldn't quite get it right and I'd given it to my agent and I kind of knew in my heart that it wasn't going to work and I hadn't quite nailed it and so I wanted to start something else um, to sort of you know uh, soften the disappointment because I always you know you know it's like so many things get turned down it's mm. great to have a load of things on the go and so I just, just started writing it, you know, this, this came to me this, this guy sitting on the cliff uh, in Jersey stewing about his marriage and seeing somebody near the edge of it and worrying about what they were going to do and it just sort of came out and and it, and it felt like in a different kind of sort of tone and style and I wasn't trying to be funny with it and I mean I'd always had ambitions to be you know, to write quotations serious serious novels but I, you know I didn't really know if I could do it and so it was quite a leap to do it and then I, I really enjoyed the challenge of, of writing without um, any of the sort of things that you know my, my kind of natural strength which you know hopefully a kind of you know comic dialogue and comic plotting and so it forced me to focus more on you know character and storytelling in a different way so it was really i just really enjoyed just you know not having those constraints so is this uh, the bergerac you then is this the the, the thrilling but, you know well I, I i i sometimes i think i maybe i put the the, the the kind of plot just just built quite organically actually so i didn't set out to sort of think i would write something thrilling but then then i i did want to put a hook in it or a twist at the end of each chapter to kind of draw the reader in and uh, that might be partly my insecurity thinking oh i'm not good enough to carry it in the way that you know like a jonathan franson could just write people's unfolding lives in your turn of the page or even even uh, this is going to sound very pretentious but i i uh, proofed i read the first volume of that swan's way on holiday and i read it in about three days i was like i will be very interested to know if you because you've read the first one haven't you i have not oh, yeah I've, I've never i've, I've done the first and then i thought already that's a level of achievement i wasn't yeah. expecting robert I i'll tell well you what i have it's funny recently read and yes. very similar is he uh for Elena Ferranti. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to read all of those. I've You're got to love read them. I know, oh, I know. No, no, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Every single bloody podcast. I know. It's all she brings up. Fair enough. And it turns out everyone else apart from me has read them. Yep. But Priest, I it's one of those things, isn't it? It's it's like Ulysses. It's I feel yeah, ridiculous that. that I still have. I know, I know, but it's well, we it's will the be time. doing that. One of know, the projects when we... I I read it, it was it was. But I'm not blaming my kids, but I did read it before the birth of our first child when we were on holiday, and I read like nine books in two weeks or something insane. And you know, and then that, you know, seven years later, I'm still trying to find the space to read the, the second volume and all the other volumes because it's so the, the sort of process is so long and elliptical, and you you can't read it on a on a tube or on a commute. You have to really kind of have the time to not be interrupted with it. But it was, it, but at the time, I found, I found it really compulsive to read. So, but anyway, on Mainlander, I, I kind of. I suppose I'm chucking lots of raw meat out to the reader to kind of keep you know keep reading. Mm. Um, so did you go about? So you didn't go about writing the plot as in for ages charting it before you went to write. I did. No, I I, I sort of you sort of go forward and then do a bit more and then so I, I had the first chapter and that pretty much came out as it 
is and and um and didn't really change that much and and there's kind of quite a bit of backstory that i put in that you kind of do when you do first chapters and then kind of cut it down and moved it around to later in the book or didn't didn't include it at all and then i think the second chapter came quite quick and then and then i kind of stalled a bit and then mapped it out and so then i do kind of outlines of of the chapters and then when i when i sold the book i i had i'd written the whole i'd written the first half and then i'd done outlines for the rest of the story the rest of the story and rest of the chapters so I'd, i'd mapped it out by that point so so yeah, so I kind of I wrote it when I when I could. So if the story was worked out, I knew I could do it. And then if if it wasn't flowing, it's so I need, needed to do, to do some more to thinking. Rethink. And yeah, yeah, and just but that's interesting. Me. I like I because I think f- for I wouldn't say necessarily that being a stand up is. I, I think having that sort of a brain isn't necessarily having a plotty brain. Mm. And so like I'm always really interested in like how people manage to write things that are like thrilling yeah, and suspenseful I, I think and... it's because as a stand-up i was more it, it it was not not a full character but it was it wasn't sort of me directly and and so like one of my edinburgh shows were um they were quite plotty really they were like sort of mini sitcom things so i think that was yeah. sort of there in my in, in my stand-up um so it'd be that's really interesting actually as to what bits of the stand-up i took to i mean because one of the one of the things that i you know why one of the reasons i, I stopped doing stand-up because it's time constraints and you know what it's like it's mm. shattering but but also um I, I like writing for other voices as well and i think that yeah. was that was part of it it's sort of i have one voice on stage but you can have sort of more voices going on in a book or a, a sitcom and so um so yeah I'm, I'm not sure what i took from that but but definitely from the kind of the sitcom and the film writing it was the, the sort of plotting and the need that you know like in a film every kind of scene or every act has to move the story on and i definitely yeah. was kind of like applying that kind of I think maybe That's what I've done is gone, see, I'm not very good at doing plots, so I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing when you watch, because you're obviously in the, the last volume of the Dead Funny books, that are the, the horror oh, anthologies yeah, yeah, yeah. that are put together with a bunch of comedians. And I think what's interesting there is seeing amongst comedians who I've got to write a few short stories. And in fact, because I'm still, I'm learning how to do it all the mm. time. You're learning, aren't you? And I, I look back at the first horror story that I wrote for some collection, and it's terrible. Um, now they're only awful, and <laughs> and I think that but finding that bit where you go, it can be a tremendous relief to not have to work out where the joke is, because I think oh, yeah. sometimes you think you're creating an interesting story, and then you go, oh, they'll be expect-. you know when you're doing an Edinburgh show, you think, oh, I really like this story, but it doesn't as yet have a, have a, a punchline. Punch line. They're not, yeah, yeah, yeah that, yeah, and but it, I, I think what what I was conscious of as well and what was really interesting about doing it was because you can use certainly in sitcom you you can use funny dialogue to paper over the cracks in the plot and if it's being funny you kind of think oh it's alright and you actually yeah. need to make sure the engine of the plot is working and so again that was good not having to you know not being able to use um, characters being funny to kind of move anything along was a good again just maybe write in a different way although there are there are there's a kind of I hope there's a kind of wit to the dialogue and there are some sort of funny bits but it's not ostensibly Funny. That's not its main purpose. No, 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 and, and yeah, and it, uh, yeah, it kind of came out of the failure of not being able to write a funny novel. I kind of <laughs> serious one. So actually, it's you know because uh, it's, it's very very hard to write a, a comic novel. That's an interesting. It's really area. rare that I've read books that, that have had laugh laughs in them. Yeah, yeah. And, but fiction, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're kind of seen as sort of genre fiction. Like when we were growing up, they'd be like you know. Tom Sharp books would be kind of people would sort of oh, laugh yeah, at those, mom, and you wouldn't would read be, them because you just go, you'd see them on your mum and dad's naughty, like, go, oh my goodness, saucy. look at the size of that rude bottom that's but been drawn were, on the front of you know. They were kind of picture postcard, weren't they? So yeah. they weren't, you know. Uh, 
It's amazing all those books that would be in Woolworths the whole time when yeah. we were growing Will, up. Will Aunt High Indecent Exposure. There was uh, yeah. The, yeah. My mum used to read uh, books that were about a teacher or something that was really... Ah, oh, bollocks, I can't remember. But it was the oh. same thing. It, I mean, it's not about a language teacher or something. Not David Mind Lodge. your language. Yes, David oh. Lodge. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they did some good series of those, didn't they? Yeah. What were they? What were they God, how funny. I'm so, like, amazed that... That's all that it re- took to remember it. Well, I, I think I remember from the TV series, cause, and he'd done... Did he do... Um, what's the university one? The, the uh, Very Peculiar Practice. Is that, that's David Lloyd. No, I don't no, think that is. No, Okay, sorry. No, I don't Small think World. That is. is it Small World? Yeah, Small then, World, yeah. Tim, yeah. yeah. And he wrote that interesting book called The British Museum is Falling Down, mm. where when I first read it, I didn't realise that each chapter is kind of uh, a parody of a different form of literature. And I just read it as a... Oh, and, then, right. and then someone started to the explain to me. Totally so all over the place. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one <laughs> I where... I mean, there's been no editing here. <laughs> the guy is... So, so for instance, the guy goes to join the British, British Library, but mm. he finds it very difficult because there's so many... And it, this kind of little Kafka nightmare mm. of him getting his membership card. And then oh, he had then, that. Then he's entering a, uh, a a competition to win a sofa, a Chesterfield <laughs> sofa or something. And as he, he, it has to be, you know, I want a Chesterfield sofa because in under yeah. 10 words and as he increasingly finds the correct phrase it's done like Molly in Ulysses in that famous yes and he holds me and yes and it's kind of but it's, uh, if I read it now I probably still wouldn't know no, yeah, you'd have really to read all the books thing. that it was that bit that was some of the things that we read as kids and still haven't oh, yeah. uh, it was Andrew Davis who did very peculiar practice oh, so no okay. idea what's very known to uh, sorry but it is but, but funny books Confederacy of Dunces yeah, Gosh, I still dances. haven't read it. It's really funny. It's really, I don't read it recently. Nobody. It really, really stands up to stand. And that's on my yeah. shelf, but yes. And also, when we were growing up, Sue Townsend's Adrian Moulton oh, yeah, really were yeah. really properly yeah. loved. Yeah, yeah, that and Douglas Adams. But it's and very moving as well, very yeah. touching. Mm. And, and yeah, there's a lot going on in those books. I read a Burt, Sue Townsend book Burt recently. Burt, with his, you know, oh, yeah. beetroot stains. The beetroot yeah. stains on Burt, the old man that he goes yeah. around to look after. Uh, oh, okay. The, yeah. mm. I'm back. What was I'm wondering? What the, were the things that? Because from my you know knowledge of you, mm. so much was the kind of fantasy world. We, yeah. you know, we would talk about the Simon McCall and Del film, yes. The Sword and the Sorcerer. Yes. Um, were were those the books you were reading? Were yeah. those the things that have kind of it was shaped you? Adventure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I started off this, this early stuff with Tintin and Asterix, so it was adventure stuff, and then it was because I loved f- film and TV, and uh, it, it would be kind of adaptations of. Uh, you know, films because that that way you, you'd get the kind of the pictures, the stills from the film. So it was like a pre-trailer. So that, that was part of it. And then it was adventure books. So it was like you know. So um, what were your favourite adaptations? Because there were two things, of course. You could sometimes get a books. photo novel, or what? So what's it called? Splinter in a Mind's Splinter Eye. Splinter in a Mind's Eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Han Solo's Revenge. Han Solo at Star's End. Those are the spin-off ones. But I got I got the kind of the, the adaptations of the actual films. I actually recorded my. It started. I think it, it was a monumental task recording my own audio book of Donald F. Glutt's adaptation of Empire Strikes Back. But, you know, I think I filled up two 90-minute cassettes and got to chapter three. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. how old were you? Oh, well, it was that in 1980, Empire, so I would have been nine, ten. So it'd be like, and then? Yes, oh. like, <laughs> I've probably got it somewhere. I'd oh, love dear. to anyway, hear anyway, books anyway, <laughs> So it's adventure books, uh, you know, Alistair MacLean, Desmond Bagley. I really got into Agatha Christie, a big Agatha Christie face. See, Agatha Christie mm-hmm. has gone now back Isn't into, she back in? I think, yeah, I think. Kind of we, we, we were interviewing Philip Ridley, the mm. uh, reflecting skin being one of his um, um, uh, pitchfork Disney, and uh, um, and he was saying that Agatha Christie is quite often what he reads when he's working on something else. He knows that Agatha Christie won't take him anywhere that will he change is. what he's wanting yeah. to create, and That's he delights good. in. And and there's more and more people who uh, think... 
Uh, uh, you know, I mean to revisit them at some point to see because I do my memory and but I my memory is that the murder of Roger Ackroyd is a genuinely brilliant detective book in the twist is quite you know really amazing. Well, if she was rubbish, she, she wouldn't, wouldn't still be printed be anymore because that's yeah. the thing is when you see someone like Harold Robbins, there's a fascinating thing. I think we talked about this before. But certain authors, they just the not read they anymore. They die. Yeah, that's it, and it's an odd thing. Why should I know? But again, they're not alive. It's matter, like, but remember it's, that. Those books that would fill the bookshops when we were growing up, like, and you think, what were they any good? What happened to them? Like Leon Uris or yeah. James Clancy was massive, and then you know, are they still read? Can he still? And also, like, without wishing to bang a drum, the fact that she's a woman mm. works doubly against her in that respect. Like, there's plenty yeah. of women novelists from uh, the mid 20th century who have not achieved the posterity they deserve mm. for that reason alone, as far as I can see and stuff. So, yeah, it's you know, it's doubly to her credit that she's still that alive. she's still there. Yeah. So it was that all those those kind of books. I'm trying to think, the, the Willard Price adventure books. It was that, yeah, it was that, adventure. that kind of and, and now, Tolkien. Have you, have you returned to those adventures? Gorilla Adventure. I know. Yeah. I can't. Are they that still was in print? One of, I think A.L. Kennedy may well have brought up Gorilla Adventure, but I don't know. I think South they might. I think they the are I still available. But some of those books, you wonder. I wonder what the racial politics is. Yes, like. and I, I know. don't know. I've got no idea. Someone who knows more about Willard Price, because every now and again. Uh, and yes. Like the Roger Moore Crime Fighter books. Yeah, or... Have you got Roger or, Moore and the Crime Fighters? No. Do you know about those? No. They were a series of books in which a couple of kids would go off and have an adventure, and at the end, Roger Moore would turn up and say, well done, kids, pretty much. That was the yeah, main... Yeah, there's a picture of Roger Moore on yeah. the front. But, but within yeah. it, there was It's some... like they almost couldn't even afford to have him appearing in more than one scene, mm. even though he's merely being tight, yeah. which is And one of them was written by Dulcie Gray, Oh, yeah. who, Michael Dennison and Dulcy Gray, who uh, were a wonderful kind of husband and wife team yeah. who would turn up in many TV shows and films and Dulcie eventually Gray, in Howard's Way. Dulcy Gray, I definitely know the name of. Well, she was really intriguing because she was this, you know, they would always be, hello, we're the jolly uh, couple who mm. are just old people who are like English people. I'm wearing mm. a cravat and you're a... But then she would write stories that were in things like the Pound Book of Horror that were really unpleasant, really yeah. awful. And then she you know, would write things like one of the Roger Moore crime fighters stories. So um, And then... Oh, on, no, 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 that's, that's what I wanted no, to yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and then so it was kind of yeah, Tolkien. That's that's what I was saying was another another um, massive thing. And then I kind of switched from sort of adventure stories and fairy tales, etc., which also a massive growing up. The fairy tale thing was very big. Uh, it was Catcher in the Rye was the first sort of one where it felt completely different to any other book I'd read, and it was just the sort of directness and of the voice and the kind of freewheeling nature of the story, and just I couldn't quite get a handle on it at first, and then it was just. I just found it thrilling that that you know somebody speaking directly to you and getting inside someone's mind like that and the world of it. Can I just go back on the fairy mm. tales because that mm-hmm. immediately made me think of books that I loved and also when I worked in a children's bookshop would always mm-hmm. try and push towards people, which were Terry Jones's books. Oh no, including yes. fairy tales and Eric the Viking. Such a great world, yeah. Uh, well, worlds, I suppose. Yes, the Nico imagination Bobbiness. of them. Oh, yes. I don't know those. Yes, they, would, would they still stand? I presume they yeah, would stand up. I think up. they're get, still published. My son? Uh, yeah, and, and the daughter, beautiful Michael off. Foreman, uh, the wonderful, if you've yes. never... Michael Foreman, there was a brilliant exhibition that I saw in Preston of his work. Did he illustrate War... war yes, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of, War Boy. And a beautiful story about a guy who was in... I think it was Gallipoli, and he was basically just waiting to die, and he'd given up, and he ended up just on his own in this little kind mm. of shell hole. And this tortoise walked in. Oh. And he had a whole night where he talked to the tortoise and it kind of gave him the reason to be alive. And then eventually he brought the tortoise home and it, you know, I think it outlived the him. You know, but it's a beautiful, it's yeah. a wonderful book. But, but yeah, Terry Jones, and I think, yeah. you know, it is, it, 
it's a tremendously sad thing to see that he is no longer really able to communicate as no, he no. is because there is there's something very beautifully human in because he did some quite political things. There's yeah. a, a collection of articles he did for the Young oh. Guardian called "Attacks of Opinion," I think, where he would be you know it's just around the time of the Iraq War he was quite. Yeah, I think. He did. There was one on Iraq War as well, and there was uh, and the Attacks of Opinion from the late eighties has a lot of stuff about when Clause Twenty Eight was coming mm. in and. Oh. So you know, I just wondered if. You, so did you read Terry Jones? Then? Yeah, my mum. My mum loved them, and she really sort of Eric the Viking. I really remember, and then the film of Eric the Viking. So uh, Eric the Viking, Time Bandits is Terry Jones as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, oh, that was that, that was was that Terry Gilliam. Jones no, and Michael Palin? They they, they no, no, wrote no, but it. it was was it Jones and Palin who wrote it? I think it, it was. Yeah, Gilliam, it's definitely Gilliam directed. Gilliam directed it. Yeah, and then did definitely they write? Palin. They did Baron Munchausen. No, I don't think they wrote. No, I think that. that's. Well, double check on because I'm not sure because I think it might. Idol's be Palin it, definitely. Uh, Palin definitely did time that. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Jones or Gilliam. But I remember all of Google those in this kind of like mm. nebulous, fantastic, imaginative mm. lump. Yeah. Of like how exciting it was that the rules changed so much in them, yeah. and and Eric the Viking, the bit where he's dead and he doesn't realise and he can't, see, and the one that can't see anything because he didn't believe in it. But he's still there with everyone. Yeah, I remember oh, those. Right, I'm going to read that. Yeah, and and the film I, I'd love to see, because it's got Tim Robbins in it, mm. who, you know, and young Tim Robbins, so I mean, a real treat for me. <laughs> oh, double bill with Bull Durham for you, eh? <laughs> um, but that, yeah, the, I, I would say that definitely Terry Jones's fairy tales and Nick okay. all of those things will 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 still stand up. And then he did those one wonderful uh, Cottingley uh, fairies. No, it was uh, we've just had uh, Trent send us. It was it was just Palin and Gilliam. Sorry, oh, okay. I think it was Palin Sorry. and jo- Palin and but Jones. Can we click done. on the adventures of Baron Munchausen as well, please? Jones is it? He's in Time Bandits. They all make an appearance. That's Gilliam. Is Charles Terry McKenzie. Jones in Time Bandits? Palin has, is the one with the, yeah, the lump yeah, on his nose. Always has a wig. Please, is Robin Hood. Yeah. Terry it's Jones is in. He's in Eric yeah. the Viking, I think, or, and he plays this this king who doesn't appreciate that the land he's on is sinking. So he's like, "Oh, it's all going to be fine. It's great." I think, uh, but I can't remember which film it's in. God, yeah. Those... I really, I've got a soft spot for Munchausen. I yeah, I think really. it was panned, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah ran out I of didn't realise there's, there's a good a book, kid. Losing the Light, on the making of it. Um, but yeah, but it, yeah, what but happened to it? I think then? they ran, they couldn't film the ending on it, so they, it, it sort of runs out of steam a bit. But just the look of it is just mm. always with Gillian the design and the. Film and I remember those. Robin Williams does a really yeah, good yeah, 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 it's great. It's the King of the Moon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what like all of those books. This, the imaginative potential yeah. of them is so great. So when you're a child, you're just sort of blown this away is by it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you read, because we were mentioning Losing the Light there, and that made me think of then the John Borman book about making the Emerald Forest, which I think is called something like Adventures in Light. Tell me more about that. that, I've read uh, Adventures of a Suburban Boy, which is terrific. What's that about? That's his memoirs. John John Borman. Do you know John Borman? He he made uh, Deliverance and Point Blank. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, What's the Arthur one? Excalibur. I thought sorry, Arthur 2 on the Rocks. Yes. It's great. It's a great social history element to it as well but um and he's just a brilliant writer so that's really really worth reading so do you, uh, is that now what are the, the main things that when you when you're not writing when you're not uh, reading around what you are uh, what do you i try uh, a whole bunch of stuff really but i I'm, i try to go through all the the biggies i'm trying to i mean i i, I like all the big victorian ones so i kind of try and work my way through those 
Um, so the big Victorian ones, are we talking about Anthony Trollope? Are we talking about uh, the big one, we... Charlotte Bronte was enormous for me. Villette was hugely significant. And then Middlemarch, it's probably my favourite book. That was uh, amazing. So it's though, so I, I think I've read most of George Eliot now, but then Tolstoy, um, Balzac, who's written too much, but I'll get there eventually. Um, Turgenev, Dostoevsky... Uh, Moby Dick, I read. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By we were that. talking about that the other what? day. It's wonderful. Yeah, He's pulled out of the bag at the last minute, hasn't he? Yeah. What? Because you and me, we like books about 127 pages, don't we? Oh, I, what oh. I want is the kid was dead and he started to cry. <laughs> That's all I want. That was my uh, that was my joke. It was how many Raymond Carver short stories does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. The kid was dead and he started to cry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't want any more than that. I don't want no. a treatise on how to extract whale the... oil. Yeah. yeah, that's what you get. I know, but it's just the actual. The, I mean, I think the story is amazing, but the, the the level of writing is just it's just the poetry of it. I just love it as well. Mm. So yeah, I just sort of yeah. So those, but then uh, Le Carre is huge for me. I'm going to see him tonight. Oh, are Festival you? Hall, front row, like oh, a groupie. Oh, still around. I'm, I feel yeah. like an idiot for it's not knowing that. Out. Got a, no. That's a smiley one as well. What's it called? Uh, Legacy of Spies. Oh, he's got F spies in it yeah. somewhere, isn't he? Yeah. So but, that's a very his journey is very interesting in terms of mm, uh, he's proper now. He's transcended more his genre, and more hasn't he? Someone wrote a very nice. Oh, no, it doesn't count. What? It, it, it was Toby Fool wrote a stupid piece for. Oh, I heard about uh, that. I didn't read it. Yeah. What's the? Why would I read that? <laughs> yeah, Toby, Toby Young. Toby Fool. Toby Young. Yeah, Toby the worst Fool. human no, being alive. No, he's incredible. No, because I, I kind of was. I, I, I'll admit, I was a bit snooty. I didn't. I, because I, I, I read loads of genre fiction, like you know, like I'm saying, Desmond Bailey, Jack Higgins, you know, Frederick Forsyth, and and then when I sort of you know was then reading Catcher in the Rye, Villette, Middlemarch, Thomas Hardy for Owen oh, A-Level. I, I got a bit more serious and I was like, didn't read the genre stuff so much. And so then Le Carre I never got to and then I thought, oh, is it, it's that, it's kind of airport thriller stuff. And then I, at an airport once I bought Smiley's People and was just absolutely knocked out by it and thought, this is this, this proper book. Uh, and then read it all and then, you know, I've been kind of following him ever since. So I'm a huge, huge fan. So what would you... Have you read the, the most recent one? Then, or is that, no, that, that's going to be you're literally going to pick up a signed copy tonight. I, no, my signed copy I pre-ordered from Wardstones and it's in the post today. So. <laughs> that's another one, isn't it? About when we talk about longevity, talking about Agatha Christie. Mm. I, I suppose a similar thing has happened with someone like Raymond Chandler. Yeah, where mm. again, seen as being well, these are these are you know great novels that are thriller, detective thrillers, but they're just and then there is a point of distance where people go oh these are just yeah, these aren't great novels The Long Goodbye yeah. is a great novel yeah or um, I've been reading quite a lot of Eric Ambler recently and uh, it's like uh, The Mark of Demetrios that's a fantastic book it's a thriller but it's a, it's it's amazing also I want to find good thrillers I want to find oh, good I'll read The Mark of Demetrios that's okay. really good I like that's my problem is recently sort it's of... 200 pages as well so. oh <laughs> that now I'm on board <laughs> And that was who the criminal was. The end. Thank you. <laughs> who, is, who for you, Josie, has been the uh, that one of going, oh, it's probably not my thing, probably not my thing. And then you, and then you do, and you go, what have I been missing? Mm. God. Uh, God, there's definitely been things like that, but unfortunately I'm finding it hard to... For, for me, so it's probably the whole of American literature. <laughs> <laughs> Being like an idiot when I was younger, thinking uh, English literature, not really expanding into American literature, and then... You know, reading Steinbeck and Roth and France and going, oh, okay. Or... Uh, yeah, definitely. Like because I have been so on a kick of like I only like terse things written about yeah. sad people in the fifties in America. So then, yeah, trying to come back, like you know, coming back to Dickens and being like, 
oh wow this is the greatest yeah. thing I've ever read like this is so funny and so dense and so smart and like yeah I think it's yeah it's kind of setting yourself off of a course that you'd got really established in and then you, yeah it's got because another book that is one of my favourite books ever is um, uh, by Jennifer Egan um, uh, A Visit from the Goon Squad I've heard so much it's about it astounding and, and again I'm not really in, into sort of postmodern trickery in terms of books so much mm-hmm. but and and then this it's kind of it jumps around in time there's every chapter from a different viewpoint one of the chapters is a, as a powerpoint presentation huh. which to me would normally be like ah oh, anathema and it's for not the, it's incredible it's just it just works and it's brilliant and you know uh, it, the, the kind of the, the the structure of it and the kind of form of it doesn't overwhelm the heart of the story and the characters it still it comes through she's telling the story in that way but it's just an incredibly moving and brilliant piece of work so read that that's great yeah. so I was just what about you uh, no I wanted to ask you about Jean Reese because I know we talked about Jean Reese a lot oh, we I, I, I only just Reese. read her first the first one that I've ever read was in the, which, which was Good Morning Midnight yeah. hang on what so you've not read White Sargasso I haven't yeah. read that I know <laughs> I mean I know. you've not read to... <laughs> guys um... I've seen the film that, no. yeah, um, which was made by what's his but name but White Talk SOC is like Slaughterhouse-Five in so far as you go oh well, if you're going to read that you'd read that first you know yeah. and, and like I think Good Morning Midnight is fantastic but I think White Talk SOC just in terms of the energy and the colour and the evocative power of it is really Such quite a, I something. think I read the first I just, three chapters I love the title again so you think oh if that's the title it'll be amazing yes it's such yeah. a you know because I don't know what you know what to expect well also White Talk SOC is late is it uh I can't. Oh, I. What's really frustrating is I used to know her life really well, and I, I can't think. Yes, I think it is late. I think she wrote the other ones, and they weren't published for ages, and then she wrote that quite late, and then that was what became famous. I think. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I think that is it. Um, but Good Morning Midnight is the one about the woman in Paris who mm. is kind of garish and sad, uh, which is sort of like all of them in a way. And um, that, and and we've definitely talked about this. But like, what's mad about those books for me is their emotional power and the mm. fact that you read them and suddenly you feel like you've been set off your normal course and you feel like you've been emotionally derailed by them and you feel suddenly like that's yeah. your life and you're like, oh, I'm in this oh, that's, turmoil. That's, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, that, yeah, a, a good book. or It happens in TV drama as well where you, you, you're kind of like bereft at the end of it and you feel you've been dropped into someone's life and then you're out of it, but their life has continued on after the book or the story. It's It's just, that's the feeling you want, isn't it? Yes. Ah, yeah. There we go. So yeah, Good Morning Midnight's nineteen thirty nine, but she only really achieved sort of success in with Wide Talk SOC. Like she she had such a really unusual life, like uh coming to France as a teenager to be a dancer, like having lots of difficulty. But then there was a really great interview with her where they people were a bit like, You've led such a tragic, difficult life and she was like, No, I just wrote about the worst sadnesses in the book to get in the books to get rid of that. Yeah. And actually I have a great time and I'm a lot of fun. Yeah. And like I think it's it's that thing of the way that people treat female writers as if they have to kind of really bi biographize everything. Is that a word? Uh, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They, like with Sylvia Plath is like the classic one where they're you're like writing about yeah. Yeah, so yeah. everything is to do with your sad life and they have to kind of tabloid. No, you mean they don't, they don't treat the work in isolation as a And they also don't treat it as if that person might be somebody who is in full command of what they're doing and somebody who is mm. kind of a grown up who's writing. They sort of treat 
treat them as like this uh, spectacle <laughs> where the whole thing this is This outpouring. About, you can't control your emotions. Yes. You're just <laughs> and about like, well, the, the reason you were able to write this is because you were this mad flurry of stuff as opposed to like, you're well, this genius. woman was an incredible writer yeah. and so she wrote these incredible books that kind of transmuted her sadnesses. Yeah. And, and I've got like, you sent me that postcard of her oh, yeah, yeah. as an older lady in a doorway. She looks great, doesn't She's she? She's so playful and funny and witchy. Yeah, Joie de Vivre. Yes, Joie de that's what it is. But the, you would never know that from these books because mm. these books are like these like massive, powerful distillations of catastrophe. Yeah, Good Morning Midnight. Really, I've literally okay. it was, uh, apparently there's two. Have you read the two before that? I've read, and um, there's one I've not yet read, which is. But I've read some of Smile Please, which is an autobiography of hers, which is good. Because I think A. A. L. Kennedy was saying that Good Morning Midnight was like. I think she said she she wrote three wrote that book three times. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, there's, there's two other novels which are all of them are the journey and says, says Good Morning Midnight then is right. You've yeah. really... Yeah. Gonna... And it is, yeah, it's exactly as you as both of you were saying, it's that thing where certain books where you just go, oh, I wish I hadn't started and I can't stop. And yeah. it's, you know, we always bang on about Zola's novel, The Boozer, which is, uh, or L'Assommoir, depending oh, is on that, which way. I read that one. And that one is, there's a point where it just turns and you, and you go, oh, and then... And you don't. You want to stop. You want to stop. That's, have you read Germinal? No, I've, no, I've never yeah, read. That's Germinal. brilliant. But it's heavy. I mean, it's all, all this stuff's heavy. That's on my list of. Oh, I've got to read his twenty book cycle at some point. Oh God. <laughs> but then also, I like I, I know. I think he's quite hit and miss insofar as like I really thought that Therese Racan. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, this that. isn't like this is nothing. This isn't mm. like getting me in the same way mm. that other ones have read and stuff. But that I suppose that that is quite a different one though, isn't it? Because that. The simplicity of the plot, which yeah. is just two people let's to murder someone, and then it's let's so, see what happens afterwards. Oh, yeah, that hasn't worked out. <laughs> and yeah. was it a spoiler <laughs> alert? Seen that? It don't work out so well. Yeah, um, but I, I would agree. Actually, I think compared to what are they called the Rouge en Rouge en Mackay. Ma- Mackinar, Mac- Mac- yeah. What does that mean? Uh, Red it's, something. I think it's the family. It's the names. family. Oh, so yeah. so okay. Nana Sorry. and uh, oh, okay. the characters in in L'Assommoir and all and, and in German and in the It's like with Balzac. It's that yeah. Inter- yeah, that blows whole... my mind when people decide that they've built this yeah, built village of their own or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, and then bringing people back and putting yeah, people it's back great, in. Isn't it? Yeah, it's such a thrill. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, because perhaps if they were around now, those people would be part of like 10 season TV series, yeah. you know, and they would have those characters to do yeah. it with. But yeah, I think you're right. We're going to let you go now. Will. Okay. We've got two podcasts out of you. Uh, We've taken everything we needed from you. Uh, <laughs> Mainlander is... one more book? Yeah, yes. of course. Uh, uh, Shadow Country by Peter Matheson is one of the greatest What's books. What's that? Ever it, uh, well, he, he, he wrote three novels in the 90s um, and... And then he made them into one big book, so he kind of did it twice. Uh, but they're about Edgar Watson, who was an outlaw at the end of the 19th, 30th, 20th century, uh, goes down to the, uh, the Florida Ever- Everglades to kind of hide out and build a life there, and then eventually is kind of murdered by his neighbours. And, and the first third of the book is like um, like an oral history of the people around him. So it starts with actually him being killed, and then you get this oral history of leading up to it. And then the middle book is his son researching his father trying to come to terms with the fact his dad was a murderer and then the final um, third is first person from Edgar Watson himself leading up to his death and it's just this incredible swirl of kind of voices and characters and looking into somebody who's pretty despicable but you kind of 
get to see how he ended up the way he is. But it's, yeah, I thought it was outstanding. It's properly, you, you read it, you go, oh, this is as good as like a big Russian book or, a, you know, one of those. It's... We didn't talk at all about your adaptation, the things that you've worked on. Uh, no, or properly but, the book. Uh, uh, but, well, no, the I think we but probably the... mentioned it okay. just enough. Set in Jersey go, in 1987, oh, yeah. so it's oh, kind of... And on oh, a cliff. Yeah. We've not talked about Marillion. Well, there's a Marillion. There's, I got a quote from Marillion, uh, Marillion song in it. Quoted lyrics. Paul Simon as well. You know how much that cost? Go on. $150. Do you have to pay? You have to, to pay. Quote. And it takes months. What? Months and months and months of back and forth. And can I have this? And it's not that they're saying no. It's just that they take ages to say yes. And in the end, you think, how much is it going to cost me? Because everyone says, don't put lyrics in. It's just hassle and it's money. And in the end, Paul Simon, what? Is coming what one hundred fifty dollars? I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, yeah. That is what, and it was integral. It shouldn't. Yeah, because well, in the end, it turns out lyric. the lead character has a baboon heart. Is yeah, that exactly. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the original title of the, the book, Baboon Heart. Anyway, it's got Paul Simon quote, uh, uh, Irene Cara's fame, and a Marillion quote. Who? How uh, much Marillion, was the quote? Seventy-five. Uh, it was about that. I think it was about that. You be yeah. careful. He's very good friends with fish. Then again, I, I got permission off him because he wrote it, and he was like, "Yeah, fine." And then because I was talking about the lyrics from Fame with EMI, I said. Oh, by the way, I'm quoting from Marillion and Fish said it was fine. They're like, oh, no, hang on, we'll have to look that up. And then again, there was kind of months of... And then it was like, yep, 75 quid. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Will Smith, Mainlander, available. Uh, If you'd like to see more of Will Smith, then in hindsight, go into the past (laughs) and see him sitting at the front of the John le Carré event. Uh, I'll be there tonight, Royal Festival Hall. And uh, watch the thick of it. Thick of it, of course. Yeah, we did incredible work with Amanda Nucci and working on Veep as well and other things as well. Uh, But uh, Mainlander is uh, is there going to be? Have you got another um, novel? I I I'm going to do the Mainlander was planned as a series of novels, uh, bringing the characters up to the present. Uh, It didn't sell enough for mainstream publishing to invest in those sequels, but a uh, a Channel Island publisher uh, is going to do it. So I'll be doing it mainly for the love and uh, you know for a couple of hundred people. But I'm going to do it anyway and then I've got another book I'm working on as well that hopefully might sell a bit more so Alderney Farm Shop Publishing yes will be uh, <laughs> yes. the um, uh, thank you very much Will Smith thanks Josie thanks Robin thanks everyone lovely chat it's a nice afternoon wasn't it yes thank you very much to all our Patreon supporters and this week we say special thank you to Daniel Carrington Kerry-Ann Adamson, Rebecca Ford, Colette Shannon, Randy Mason, Peter Stevens, and Caroline Smith. And the Box of Books winner remains a mystery for now. That's fine. Yeah, sorry about that. There was a printer error, so we didn't have the printout for the, the winner of the Box of Books. So you get me telling you that the winner of the Box of Books for this episode is Sarah Pettigree. Congratulations, Sarah. If you get in touch with us by emailing contact at cosmicshambles.com, we will get your prize out to you. Uh, There might be a slight delay in getting your prize out to you uh, while we do all the the Christmas shows, uh, the Hammersmith show and Nine Lessons and Carols uh, for godless people at Conway Hall and also the Cosmic Superheroes uh, photography exhibition, which if you're in London, you can get along to and see for free from December 9 at Conway Hall. And remember as well, in June next year, we are doing four episodes of Book Shambles live at Royal Albert Hall's Elgar Room. Uh, You can go to the Royal Albert Hall website and uh, get tickets for that. Uh, Hello. If you enjoy the show, 
You can go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash bookshambles and you'll be able to find full reading lists from each episode. So anything that's been talked about by anyone speaking, you'll be able to see it, access it and then get hold of it or put it on your Christmas list or on your non-denominational wish list. Can I just check on something? Yeah. You're wearing new trousers. I, these are not new trousers. These are old trousers that I haven't worn for a while. I haven't seen you in those trousers. They're very before. comfortable and I've put on a little weight. Oh. <laughs> I have as well. Yeah. Have tell you what, have you noticed better, that... No, I'm just wearing wider things. No. And I'm changing healthy. the wallpaper that I carry with me to constantly place behind me, which creates an illusion of less... I saw it's a picture... a great optical illusion, Robin. Yeah. I'm a hologram and have been for years. (laughs) This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions.